is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here on this Friday, March the 24th, in the house with your boy Trey Larkers on the Wise Guys Sports Show. Come on in and sit a while, folks. Another podcast, another show with yours truly, Trey Larkins. Join me on your afternoon drive home for the weekend. It's Friday. I'm so excited for the weekend. We got some big-time topics we're going to get into tonight on the show. We're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys making some moves. They traded for Brandon Cooks. They traded for Stephon Gilmore. So we'll talk about that here in a bit. Also later on in the show, who's the better player, Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown? Go on the Wise Guys Twitter page. It's Wise Guys underscore OH. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And vote. Who is the Better player currently. Is it Jason Tatum and or Jalen Brown? Who you got? Also later on the show, Cam Newton. He says he can still play in the NFL. And he think it's he thinks it's crazy that 32 other quarterbacks who are starting in the NFL currently are better than him. Tonight, don't forget to check out the Xavier Musketeers. Go X tonight. The Xavier Musketeers will be in the Sweet 16 tonight. They are going to play tonight at, I believe it's 9.45. That is the tip-off for the matchup tonight against Texas. So Xavier in the Sweet 16 tonight, 9.45 tip-off on CBS. Hope the Musketeers can advance to the Elite Eight and put on for the city, put on for the city of Cincinnati. Call to the show 513-203-8655 513-203-8655 That is the number to dial. Any particular topic that you want to discuss, we can talk about it on the show tonight. So, let's transition and let's begin in the NBA as the Oklahoma City Thunder beat the LA Clippers 101 to 100. Unfortunately for the Clippers, Paul George, he left the game in the fourth quarter after an apparent right leg injury. The following day, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, he announced and said that Paul George will be out two to three weeks and will be reevaluated at that time. So when it comes to the L.A. Clippers and their championship aspirations, Let me be very, very clear about how I feel about the Clippers and whether or not they are a championship contender without Paul George. The answer is an emphatic no. The L.A. Clippers without Paul George are not championship contenders because they don't have enough to be able to beat those other contenders who have their stars healthy. I look at the Denver Nuggets. They got the Joker. They got Jamal Murray. I look at the Memphis Grizzlies. They now have back John Morant. And the Lakers are going to get back LeBron James with Anthony Davis with the Lakers. The Phoenix Suns are going to get back Kevin Durant with Devin Booker. Also, the Dallas Mavericks have Kyrie Irving. They have Luka Doncic. And if when you're in a tough Western Conference and you don't have the second best player on your team, you're not a championship contender in a tough Western Conference. And this year, the Western Conference top to bottom is the best conference in the NBA significantly over the Eastern Conference. It's not even close because right now I can't put my money on any team in the Western Conference to represent the West in the NBA Finals this year because we got injuries to Kevin Durant. We got injuries to LeBron James, and now we got an injury 
to Paul George, I don't know who's going to represent the Western Conference in the NBA Finals this season. But what I do know is if you don't have a healthy Kawhi Leonard or a healthy Paul George, the Clippers championship aspirations are officially over. It's just that simple. And the numbers back it up. This season, the Clippers, with both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the floor, the Clippers are 24 and 14. They average 116 points per game. The point differential when they win games is plus 3.9, and they average 24.2 assists per game. That's with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Without Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, the Clippers are 14 and 21. They only average 109 points per game. Point differential is minus 3.7, and they only average 22.3 as far as assists. So they are a significant worst basketball team without Paul George or without Kawhi Leonard. And at the trading deadline, they traded away Reggie Jackson, and I thought that was a bad move. I, I thought at the time that was a bad move. And honestly, I feel like if you have an injury to Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, you could afford one of them to miss some time if you have a premier score in Reggie Jackson still on your team. And remember a few years ago when the Clippers made the Western Conference Finals that season when Kawhi Leonard didn't play and they lost to the Phoenix Suns in six games? That season in the Western Conference Finals, Paul George and Reggie Jackson were both playing at a high level. It was some games where it wasn't Paul George closing for the L.A. Clippers. It was Reggie Jackson. So at the trading deadline, I felt like the Clippers were one of the losers at the trading deadline because they traded away Reggie Jackson. And I still believe Reggie Jackson can be a key contributor. That trio with Reggie Jackson, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard, I believe they were more than capable at being able to win a championship at some point if they all stayed healthy. But if you lose a Kawhi Leonard, if you lose a Paul George, if you have a Reggie Jackson to fall back on, as your second star on your team, I believe you can still have some success. But now I look at this team now. Without Paul George, who's the second best player on this Clippers team after Kawhi Leonard? Russell Westbrook is out of his prime. You know, Eric Gordon, he's a nice guard off the bench, but he's also past his best days. Robert Covington, I mean, these other... Players are role players on the Clippers basketball team. Nicholas Patoon, Robert Covington, Eric Gordon. Some nights can, can give you 25 on a good night. He could give you 25 on a bad night. He can give you maybe 15. But Terrence Mann, these other players on the Clippers basketball team, they are role players. So I, I just don't know if they have enough to be able to overcome Paul George being out for a significant amount of time, considering the fact that the rest of their team, besides Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, are role players. Norman Powell, he actually was having a good season before his injury that he's been dealing with. And this year, Norman Powell, he's averaging 17 points per game, 48% shooting from the floor. They said he's going to be back at some point. He can help, but... They're, they're going to need some significant, significant production out of Norman Powell and Eric Gordon and Russell Westbrook as well if they want to be able to compete in the tough Western Conference. And you look at the, at the Clippers right now, and their remaining schedule is tough. I'm looking at their schedule right now, the last few games of the season. They play the Pelicans tomorrow night. They're in Los Angeles. That's a home game. They are home against the Bulls on Monday night. They got to win those two games if they want to stay in the playoff race. And then Wednesday, they're at Memphis. They're at Memphis again on Friday next week. Those two games are potential losses for the L.A. Clippers without Paul George. Wednesday, March 29th, and Friday, March 31st, two back-to-back -back games in Memphis those are two potential losses for the Clippers. 
And then April 1st, they're at New Orleans. They can beat the Pelicans without Paul George. And then they're home against the Lakers. They always beat the Lakers. But that's a game where LeBron James may be returning back from his recent injury that he's been dealing with. And then they're home against the Blazers. They could beat the Blazers without Paul George. And then they're at Phoenix April 9th to close out the season. So the rest of their games are against teams who are fighting to remain in the playoff picture. That's the one issue that I have right now with the Clippers. They are not going up against teams who are not playing for anything. So losing Paul George could really, really be the end of the Paul George and Kawhi Leonard era in Los Angeles because this is a dynamic duo similar to LeBron James and Anthony Davis, similar to uh, Jason Tatum and a Jalen Brown. They have championship expectations in Los Angeles when it comes to the Clippers. Steve Ballmer, the owner for the Clippers, when he put together this roster, he expected the Clippers to compete for an NBA championship. And say what you want about the Lakers and them not being able to beat the Clippers because in the Kawhi Leonard era and the LeBron James era with the Lakers, the Clippers have beaten the Lakers pretty much every time they've played against each other. But the one thing that LeBron James and Anthony Davis has going for them that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard doesn't is the fact that they won an NBA championship. Yes, it was in the bubble, and yes, it was a few years ago, but at least LeBron and Anthony Davis have delivered for the Lakers fans, and that's something that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have not done for Clippers fans. Hell, the Clippers haven't even been to an NBA Finals. Not one time in their franchise history. And this latest injury to Paul George really, really hurts their championship aspirations significantly. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys and how improved they are heading into next season. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. It's a classic right there. Love that song right there, man. That's on the Best Man soundtrack. Can't go wrong with that. Candy by Cameo. Everybody remember, go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter. At Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. We should have followed Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Any particular topic that you want to discuss on the show tonight, we can talk about it. The question of the day for the show tonight is, who is currently the better player, Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown? Call to the show. Give me your vote. Uh, it's right now live on the Wise Guys Twitter page. The Wise Guys Twitter page is WiseGuys underscore OH. So WiseGuys underscore OH. Go on there and vote. Who would you rather have right now? And who's the better player, Tatum or Brown? Let's transition to the NFL and let's go to Dallas and let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys' recent moves that they made. The Dallas Cowboys have been busy, ladies and gentlemen. The Cowboys recently re they acquired wide receiver Brandon Cooks from the Houston Texans for two draft picks. They also acquired Stephon Gilmore as well. So the Dallas Cowboys, they are making some moves. So when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys and how I feel about these recent moves that the Cowboys have made, I must admit, I am very, very, very impressed with the Dallas Cowboys offseason so far. I got to be honest. I believe that so far, the Dallas Cowboys are the biggest winners in the offseason so far. 
they have made some tremendous, tremendous moves that are going to make their football team better overall. Let's start off with the moves that they made when they traded for Brandon Cooks. I believe that they addressed a major, major, major department on their offense that needed help. They addressed a need trading for Brandon Cooks because before last year, they had Amari Cooper and Jerry Jones didn't want to pay Amari Cooper the money that he wanted. So they traded Amari Cooper to the Cleveland Browns and they had expectations last year for Michael Gallup returning from a recent season ending injury the year prior. They expected Michael Gallup to step up and produce at a high level. And that just was not the case last year. And honestly, that was a part of the reason why I believe that Dak Prescott struggled because he didn't have a reliable number two receiver to rely on. Last year, Michael Gallup, he only had 39 receptions, 424 receiving yards, four touchdowns. And in the NFC divisional round playoff game between the Niners and the Cowboys, the 49ers, they beat the Cowboys 19 to 12. In that game, CeeDee Lamb had 10 receptions for 117 receiving yards. The next receiver was Noah Brown with two receptions for 21 receiving yards. So this is a major, major need for the Dallas Cowboys. They have to make moves during the offseason to help their receiving core, and they did just that trading for Brandon Cooks. This was a great, great move by Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones because we heard last year Brandon Cooks, he wanted out of Houston. Last year, the Houston Texans, they weren't competing for the playoffs. They were a team that was trying to figure out if they have a quarterback in David Mills. So Brandon Cooks last year, he didn't even play the entire season last year. Last year, he had 57 receptions, 699 receiving yards, three touchdowns. And last year, he played in only 13 games. 13 games last year. So he was checked out last year on the Houston Texans football team. And they weren't going anywhere. So for Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones to identify a receiver like Brandon Cooks, I believe that this is an upgrade over someone like an Odell Beckham because Odell Beckham, you don't know if he's going to be 100% healthy the entire season. And DeAndre Hopkins, who's also on the trading block right now in Arizona, he's going to be significantly more expensive than Brandon Cooks is. And also, I thought Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones did a great job because the Texans are going to pay six million of the 18 million that Brandon Cooks is supposed to get paid this year. So he's supposed to get 18 mil this year. The Texans are going to pay 6 million of that 18. So the Cowboys only have to pay 12 million to Brandon Cooks this upcoming season. So Cooks is cheaper than DeAndre Hopkins is and durability is not going to be an issue for Brandon Cooks like it would be for an Odell Beckham. So I like this move offensively for the Dallas Cowboys. And I thought last year, one of the reasons why their offense struggled at times was because they didn't have a reliable number two receiver. Now, statistically last year, the, the Cowboys, they were ranked fourth in the NFL. They averaged 28 points per game, and they converted on 46% on their third down plays, which was ranked fifth in the NFL. So they did a great job putting up points even without a reliable number two receiver to depend on. Brandon Cooks is going to help them significantly as far as in their passing game. He's a great deep threat. And you look at what he's been able to do so far in his career. Only Mike Evans and Travis Kelsey have more 1,000-yard seasons since 2015. Mike Evans has eight 1,000-yard seasons. Travis Kelsey has seven 
1,000-yard seasons since 2015. Brandon Cooks has six. Six. And this is a player who's been on the move. He, I think he's the he's been traded the most more than any other player in his career. I think other only Eric Dickerson's been traded more than Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, he was drafted by the Saints in 2017, got traded to the Patriots. Then he went from the Patriots to the Rams in 2018. And 2020, he went from the Rams to the Texans. And now he's going from the Texans to the Cowboys in 2023. So I, I definitely like this move for the Dallas Cowboys offensively. I really, really do. You're going to get Tony Pollard back. Tony Pollard did injure his leg in the playoff game against the 49ers. So you may be without Tony Pollard the first few games of the season. But at some point, Tony Pollard will come back. And he's going to be an important piece to this Cowboys offense. Last year, Tony Pollard, 193 carries, 1,007 rushing yards, averaging over five yards per carry, nine touchdowns. And now he's going to get majority of the carries because Ezekiel Elliott is no longer on the team. So I'm looking forward to seeing if Tony Pollard can be a true number one running back in this Cowboys offense and if he can help this offense flow at a high level. I like his ability also to catch the ball out of the backfield. I, I really, really do. Last year, Tony Pollard, he had 39 receptions, 371 receiving yards out of the backfield for the Cowboys. Mike McCarthy already said, he said that he wants to run the football more with, with Tony Pollard and his running backs this upcoming season. And I think that's going to help Dak. Because last year, Dak, 23 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, 2,860 passing yards. He threw too many damn interceptions last year. He just threw way too many interceptions. Now, when you flip to the defensive side of the ball, they are led by defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. And training for Stephon Gilmore is going to really, really help this Cowboys defense. Defensively up front, you already have Demarcus Lawrence. You still got Micah Parsons, who I believe he's arguably the best defensive player in the NFL. You still got Leighton Vander Esch. And at your other cornerback spot, you got Trayvon Diggs. So you're going to team up Stephon Gilmore on the opposite side of Trayvon Diggs. I like that one-two punch at the cornerback position for the Dallas Cowboys. I really, really do. Because Trayvon Diggs is better than Stephon Gilmore is. But Stephon Gilmore is still one of the best DBs in the NFL. The only reason why I'm saying Trayvon Diggs is better than Stephon Gilmore is because Gilmore is at the latter part of his career. He's no longer in the prime of his career, but he still can produce. He still can produce. And he was on a coach team that won't be contending for the playoffs this upcoming season. So I like both of these moves from the Dallas Cowboys going out and getting two players who were on teams that were not playoff contenders in the Colts and the Texans. This, these trades, trading for, for Stephon Gilmore and Brandon Cooks is definitely, definitely going to help the Cowboys catch the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC East. I'm not going to do my predictions right now, but I think the NFC East is no longer the Philadelphia Eagles division to lose. I think now the Cowboys have definitely, definitely, definitely closed that gap between them and the Philadelphia Eagles. Everybody go follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Coming out the break, I'm going to discuss who is currently the better player. Is it Jalen Brown? Is it Jason Tatum? I'll be right back. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Oh, 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 oh,
And welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody remember to go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call to the show, 513-203-8655. 513-203-8655 is the number to dial. Any particular topic that you want to discuss, we can talk about it on the show tonight. And again, I got to remind everybody, don't forget tonight, 945 on CBS. It's the Texas Longhorns. It's the Xavier Musketeers for the right to advance to the Elite Eight. Go Musketeers put on for the city of Cincinnati. Get to the Elite Eight. I'm going to be watching tonight. Hopefully the Musketeers can pull it off and make some noise. But let's transition back to the NBA, and let's get to the question of the day on the show today. The question of the day, which player would you currently have, and who's better right now? Is it Jason Tatum, or is it Jalen Brown? Comment on the Facebook Live video or on the YouTube video. Give me your vote. I'm going to get into the into that here in a second, but I want to talk about Jalen Brown and some recent comments that Jalen Brown had speaking to the ringer, talking about him in Boston and, you know, how he felt about being in trade rumors during the offseason last year. This is Jalen Brown. He says, quote, on his future with the Boston Celtics, I don't know, as long as I'm needed, it's not up to me. We'll see how they feel about me over time and how I feel about them over time. Hopefully, whatever it is, it makes sense. But I will stay where I'm wanted. I will stay where I need it and treat it correctly. He also went on to say, talking about when he was in trade rumors last offseason, Katie and JT are friends, talking about Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum. They was working out together and whatnot, so I wasn't sure what the energy was. I wasn't sure what the direction of the organization. So, also, Jalen Brown can become a free agent after next season. So, when it comes to Jalen Brown and his feelings about the Boston Celtics organization, I believe that Jalen Brown is 100% correct about how he feels about the Boston Celtics organization. And I personally believe that the Boston Celtics organization, they are making a mistake because they are underappreciating Jalen Brown. You look at what Jalen Brown is doing this season. Jalen Brown this year, he's averaging 26 points per game this season. That's a career high on 49% shooting from the floor. And when I look at duos in NBA history, when it came to the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, it was clear whose team that was and who was the alpha on that Chicago Bulls basketball team during their championship seasons. When LeBron James was in Miami, it became very, very clear after the first year when they lost to the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA Finals, it became clear after that first year that LeBron James was the alpha on the Miami Heat's basketball team. Now, it was Dwayne Wade's team in a way because Dwayne Wade recruited LeBron to Miami. But as a player, LeBron James was the alpha on that Miami Heat basketball team. When I think about the L.A. Clippers with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, it's clear that Kawhi Leonard is the alpha on the L.A. Clippers and Paul George is his running mate. But when I think about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown with the Celtics, I don't believe that there's a significant gap 
between Tatum and Brown as individual players. And I believe that the Boston Celtics organization, they have underappreciated Jalen Brown and they've praised Jason Tatum to a degree to where he is viewed as the clear number one option in Boston. And that simply should not be the case. I even go back to last year in the NBA Finals. Last year in the NBA Finals, Jalen Brown played at a higher level than Jason Tatum did. Tatum got completely shut down by Andrew Wiggins in the NBA Finals last year. Completely shut down. And Jalen Brown, he didn't play his best, but he damn sure played better than Jason Tatum did. He damn sure did. And I thought Brown, he showed more of a killer instinct than Tatum did last year in the NBA Finals. And if the Celtics had been able to overcome a 3-2 deficit in the NBA Finals, Jalen Brown would have been the NBA's Finals MVP, not Jason Tatum. So I believe that Brown feels underappreciated by the Boston Celtics organization. And when you talk to people in the NBA, in the NBA circles, and you talk to the Boston Celtics organization, they believe that Tatum is the true number one option on this Celtics team. And that's why last year during the offseason, we heard rumors about the possibility of the Boston Celtics trading away Jalen Brown to the Brooklyn Nets for Kevin Durant. And I said that would have been a bad move all the way around because with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, you get both of them playing at a high level for the next seven to eight years. You only get Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum playing together, competing for championships for the next three years at best. So I'm taking the seven years with Tatum and Brown compared to the three years with Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum. But not only that, the fact that Jalen Brown's name was being mentioned in trade rumors, to me, is a disservice to Jalen Brown as a basketball player and being the co-star to Jason Tatum. Why is Jalen Brown's name being mentioned in trade rumors? And why are, are the Celtics not appreciating the fact that they got arguably the best duo in the NBA and neither one of them are 30? Neither Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum are 30, and they got one of the best duos, if not the best, in the NBA. I think they have underappreciated Jalen Brown. And I think it's crazy that Jalen Brown's name was being mentioned in trade rumors. And I'm not saying that Tatum's name should have been in trade rumors over Brown, but I believe that the Celtics, after reaching an NBA Finals, they shouldn't have even been interested in trading neither Brown or Tatum. And when I look at both of these players for their careers, this is Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum, for his career, he averages 22 points per game on 46% shooting from the floor. He shoots 37% from three for his career. Now, Jalen Brown, in the regular season, he averages 18 points per game on 48% shooting from the floor. He also shoots 37% from three for his career. In the playoffs, these are their playoff numbers. Tatum averages more than Brown does in the playoffs. Tatum averages 23 points per game, shooting 44% from the floor and 37% from three in the playoffs. Jalen Brown averages 17 points per game, shooting 47% from the floor and 36% from three. So overall field goal percentage-wise, Jalen Brown shoots a higher field goal percentage than Tatum does in the playoffs. Now, Tatum averages more in the playoffs, but Tatum also gets more touches than Jalen Brown. He gets more touches. So 
I think both Jalen Brown and J- and Jason Tatum are both tremendous players in this Celtics organization. Both. And I think that the Celtics are definitely, definitely championship contenders with both of them on their roster for future seasons to come. And last year, had they been able to overcome the turnovers, they could have won an NBA championship. They didn't have a true point guard last year on that Celtics team, and I think that's the reason why they struggled in the NBA Finals. And I like the addition of Malcolm Brogdon because I think in the playoffs this year, Brogdon is going to help get Tatum and Brown in the right positions to be successful for the Celtics offense to flow at a high level. But when it comes to who's the better player, Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, honestly, this was one of the toughest questions I've ever had to answer because I believe that both players struggle at being able to handle the basketball, both of them. I I, I watch games, and there are times where Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both struggle as ball handlers. I believe that defensively, Jalen Brown is a better defender than Jason Tatum is. And usually, Brown guards the opposing team's best player. Now, Tatum did get better defensively last year. He did get better, and he's improved defensively. But I would take Brown's defense over Tatum's defense. Now, offensively, I believe that Tatum has a higher ceiling And if he reaches his max potential, he could be a better scorer than Jalen Brown is. If he reaches that potential. And if he reaches the the ceiling that I believe he can reach. But right now, offensively, they're about even. They're about even offensively because I'm a a Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum fan. And I don't apologize for it. So I watch a lot of their games. And I watch games where Jalen Brown comes out the gate ready to roll. And he's, you know, bringing the Celtics along and he's carrying them in the early stages of games. And sometimes Tatum is shooting inefficiently in the beginning of games. And as the game goes along, Tatum starts to shoot better and get into a rhythm. It's almost as if Jalen Brown, he he, he gets... Celtics going, and sometimes Tatum finishes games for the Celtics. It happened in a game a few, about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago. Celtics were in Philadelphia. This was right after the All-Star break. I think it was like the third game after the All-Star break. Tatum was terrible the entire game. He he shot a terrible field goal percentage shooting-wise. And Jalen Brown, he carried the Celtics most of the game But when the Celtics needed a bucket, Jalen, or Jason Tatum, rather, he scored the game-winning three-point shot that lifted the Celtics over the Sixers. So I think when you compare both of these players, they about even. It's hard for me to pick one. But if I had to really pick because of his upside, I would say that Jason Tatum is slightly, slightly better than Jalen Brown. But if someone is debating me, and they say I'm taking Jalen Brown over Jason Tatum, I'm not going to argue that. I'm not going to to to, to def- try to take away from the caliber of player that Jalen Brown is. I'm not mad at you if you say Jalen Brown is better than Jason Tatum. I just think with his upside, I think that Tatum could be one of the greatest scorers in NBA history like a Carmelo Anthony, like a Kevin Durant, like a Tracy McGrady, if he reaches his max potential. But again, I think they're they're if you want to say they're both on the same level, I'm okay with that too. I'm okay with that too. But call on to the show, 513-203-8655, 513-203-8655. The last thing I'm gonna say about this, I believe that the Boston Celtics are championship contenders for the next six to seven years with Brown and Tatum. And I think the Boston Celtics organization needs to show some appreciation for Jalen Brown and appreciate him 
the same way they appreciate Jalen, Jason Tatum. They gotta show him some 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 love. Like these these they they are they are both both good players, and they both have the potential to be great. Again, we knew in Chicago Jordan was the alpha. We knew in Miami after year one, LeBron was the alpha. We know that in Los Angeles, on the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard is the alpha. But in Boston, I don't believe that there's a true alpha. I think they are on the same level. So the Celtics organization needs to appreciate Jalen Brown the same way they appreciate Jason Tatum. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. I'll be right back. It, 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 it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to Wise Guys. These guys know sports. Here live on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at Wise Guys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys Know Sports. Call into the show, 513 203 8655. 513 203 8655 is the number to dial. Any particular topic that you want to, to discuss, we can talk about it on the show tonight. But. Let's keep it in the NBA, and let's transition to New Orleans, and let's talk about the New Orleans Pelicans as ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. He reported a few days ago that Zion Williamson is cleared to return to on-court activities and will be reevaluated in two weeks. He's been dealing with a hamstring injury. He hasn't played since January 2nd. He was averaging 26 points per game on 61% shooting from the floor in 29 games this season. So when it comes to Zion Williamson and what the Pelicans should do with Zion Williamson, I'm disappointed because coming into the season, when I was doing my predictions for the Western Conference and my expectations for what was going to happen, I said coming into the season that the trio of Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and C.J. McCollum, that trio can be a trio that could take the Pelicans on a deep playoff run. When I think about the best duos in the NBA, and again, duos, especially in the West, I think about Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. I think about LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I think about Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. I think about now Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. But unlike those other teams that I just named, the Pelicans have a trio with McCullum, with Williamson, and with Ingram, who can all play at a high level. I really, really like that trio, and I was disappointed at the beginning of the year when the Pelicans said that Zion was going to be out and was going to miss some time. I just immediately started thinking, here we go again. And I know that's the same feeling that Pelicans fans in New Orleans has as well. Here we go again with Zion. You look at Zion Williamson for his career. In 298 total games, Zion has only played in 114 of those 298 total games in four years being in the NBA. So he's only played in 38% of his games since he's been in the NBA. Like, it's crazy. The most games he played in a season was in the 2020-21 season. He played in 61 of the 72 games. That's the most games he's played in since he's been in the NBA. And you look at Zion Williamson. So far, since he's been in the NBA. Zion Williamson, for his career, the man averages 26 points per game on 61% shooting from the floor. 
and we know how great Zion was even at Duke. This is the reason why he was the number one overall pick in the 2019 NBA draft. At Duke, he averaged 23 points per game on 68% shooting from the floor. Zion Williamson is a freak, and he's a tremendous athlete, but he does have a lot of weight that he's carrying. He, he, he has a lot of pounds on him, but when he's on the floor, he produces at a high level. And it's unfortunate that he can't stay healthy. And I was listening to Kendrick Perkins on ESPN the other day, and Kendrick said that the Pelicans should consider trading Zion Williamson. And when I first thought about it, I was thinking, that's crazy. But the more I think about it, the more it makes sense for the Pelicans to consider trading Zion. I would, I would give Zion one more year next year to be healthy. And if he's not healthy next season, I would consider trading Zion Williamson out of New Orleans because he can't stay healthy. And this was, at this point, this was a wasted number one draft pick, not because of his ability. We know when Zion plays, Zion is one of the best players in the NBA and definitely one of the best young players in the NBA. But best ability is availability. And durability has been an issue for Zion Williamson in the first four years of his career. And I feel, I feel like when you look at some of these teams who are out there, like if you ask, like, does Zion Williamson have a market? I, I think if you're an Indiana Pacers or a Portland Trailblazers team or even like a Utah Jazz, you, you would take a gamble and trade for Zion because no free agent is going to Portland, Utah, or Indiana to play. No one's signing up to play in Indiana, Portland, or Utah. So if you're the Jazz, if you're the Pacers, if you're the Blazers, why wouldn't you take a gamble on a Zion Williamson if the Pelicans make him available in the trading market and, and, are, shop, and shop, are shopping him? If you're the Blazers, you know Damian Lillard wants to compete for NBA championships. Why not take a gamble and try to trade for Zion and pair Zion up with a Damian Lillard in Portland. If I'm the Portland Trailblazers and Zion Williamson is available and the, the, the Pelicans are making it known that they want to trade him, if I'm the Blazers, I am seriously considering trading for, for Zion Williamson. And, and I would do whatever it takes to get Zion in Portland with Damian Lillard. And it is a risk because you don't know if Zion is going to be able to stay healthy. It's definitely a risk. But I think it's definitely, definitely worth the risk when you're one of those teams who, who, who are not in a big market. If you're not in a big market and you're not going to attract marquee free agents, you definitely, definitely have to take a gamble and maybe trade for a Zion Williamson. But if you're the Pelicans, you've you, you got to give him one more season. He's too great of a talent to just give up on. you got to give him one more season and see if he can come back and play at a high level. Before he started basically taking care of his body and, you know, playing at a high level, Jordan B, in the early part of his career, dealt with injury issues. And the Sixers couldn't get him on the floor. But now Jordan B is in the MVP conversation. He's one of the best players in the NBA, and he has the Sixers as the number three seed in the Eastern Conference. So Jordan B has elevated his game, and now durability isn't an issue for Jordan B. And he's playing at a high level. If you're the Pelicans, you hope and pray that Zion can, can be like Jordan B and get over these injury issues that he's dealing with. But there's, there's, there needs to be an investigation or someone in that Pelicans on that Pelicans training staff, they got to give me some answers because why the hell is Zion injured every year? Why? Like, it's crazy. Zion Williamson in 2019, he played in 24 of 72 games. In 2020, he played in 61 of 72. 
2021 season, he didn't even play in a single game. And this year, he's only played in 29 of 72 games. And they said he may come back in two weeks. But you look at the Pelicans' remaining schedule, going up against a lot of teams who are competing for a playoff spot. They play the Clippers Saturday. They are in Los Angeles against the Clippers. Monday, they are in Portland against the Blazers. Tuesday, they are in San Francisco to play the Warriors. And then March 30th, they're in Denver against the Nuggets. Clippers again on the first. Kings on the fourth. Grizzlies on the fifth. Knicks on the seventh. And the Timberwolves on the, on, on the ninth, April 9th. So they have a tough schedule down the stretch. So even if you bring back Zion Williamson, it's not a guarantee that the Pelicans are going to be able to make the play-in. They might not even make the play-in tournament. So if I'm the Pelicans, if Zion is not healthy next season, I'm definitely, definitely considering trading him next offseason. Everybody go and follow Wise Guys on Twitter at WiseGuys underscore H. Also on Facebook, Wise Guys. And be sure to follow Wise Guys on Instagram at These Guys No Sports. Don't forget tonight, 945, tip-off on CBS. It's the Texas Longhorns. It's the Xavier Musketeers. Go X. Hopefully, Xavier can get the win and advance to the Elite Eight. I'll be back on next week on the Worldwide Sports Network. Everybody enjoy your weekend. Peace. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.